Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who are now a maximum of five wins away from a return to the Scottish Premiership. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. What happened to Welcome Back? You know what happened to Welcome Back. Well, the fact we've spent 20 (laughs) minutes talking about why do you say welcome instead of welcome back or vice versa? Why do you say gone instead of went? What is an initialism? What is an acronym? This is the usual, the shite that we do during the podcast. So, boys and girls, we've decided to have that conversation prior to pressing record because it really can be a name drivel. But that's what we are. So, welcome or welcome back. Boys and girls, another win. Lots to talk about. Let's go. Yes. Mark basically highlighted the fact, what if someone's never tuned in before and you're welcoming welcoming them back and they've not been here, so to speak, in the past, which I suppose is correct, even if it's pernickety. But, um, it's pedantry at its finest. Indeed, which you're probably all shouting, well, that's this podcast all over. Um, yes, another win. Two wins in a row to discuss. That's two weeks in a row we can talk about a, a result other than a 1-1 draw, which is a relief. Uh, so we will discuss Heart of Midlothian against Air United from the weekend just past. We're going to have a little chat about the um, the youth system of Hearts, the academy and younger players coming through. This came up last week. We had an email about it and um, a message rather on the comment section on one of our recent shows so we thought we'd discuss that and we've had some comments from a few of you including one person who's got in touch with a bit more information which is exactly what we were looking for and we'll have a little quiz and we'll also look ahead probably very briefly to Hearts next game which comes at the weekend against our broth. Okay, first up, Hearts were in action on Saturday afternoon as they hosted Air United at Tynecastle. Uh, before we get into that, let's have a quick listen back to the uh, goals from that match. So Andy Irving to take it. Popescu and Halkett both forward from their defensive positions. Whipped in by Irving, lovely ball. ball. Nongdui with a header and into the back of the net. What a ball. Two and two for Armong Nongdui. Wonderful delivery from Andy Irving, whipping it in from the right-hand side. And a towering header from the Hearts, number nine, to get his fourth goal in Maroon. Heart of Midlothian, one. Air United, nil. Ball looking for Cassidy at the back post. And it's touched clear. Walker lashes it in. And that's game over, surely at Tynecastle as Jamie Walker smashes home his 51st Hearts goal and doubles the advantage for the men in Maroon. It's his seventh of the season and there was absolutely no chance for Sini Salo with that one. Heart of Midlothian 2, Air United 0. Heart of Midlothian 2, Air United 0. And I suppose the big news before this game, Mark, was that there was no news. The team was the same for only the second time this season. Hearts did not change their starting eleven, And I suppose uh, it was actually not a surprise this time. Well, it shouldn't have been because pretty much everyone would have played the same team. You can change a winning team for various reasons. 
you can have enforced changes. But when you find something that kind of works, I think it's fair that the majority of us would have said, you know what, same again, it's probably going to be ideal. In saying that, I was like listening back to previous week's podcast to see, just to catch up on what we're saying or anything that came up that might be worth chatting about the following week. And I did say towards the end, what about Jamie Walker? And then we had the conversation about whether or not he should start, what position he would start in if he was to start, if it was the same formation. We spoke about Gary McGuire-Steven, but we also said, look, the way it was, it was fine, and we would go same again. That's changed this week. We did have the same 11, but we had someone coming off the bench that I think necessitates... I hate that bloody word. Necessitates... Shit. (laughs) Requires... I think it requires a change to the lineup. I used to have, in the Radio 4th newsroom, we had the biggest amount of fun with Diane Lester, the newsreader, because she could not say reiterated. I have just screwed myself <laughs> forevermore about saying that story because I can't say necessitate. That's it, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the other part of necessary. I'm, I'm happy with requires. What's the word? <laughs> Seriously. What, what necessitate? That's it. I said that, didn't I? Eventually. I think you did eventually. Um... <laughs> oh, I, there's there's a lot of stuff that I say that I'm like, please edit that out. I'm happy for you for for you to keep that in because it's just one of those moments that you, you, necessitates. See, it's easy now, and I'm sure Diane Lester can say reiterates quite easily now, but she couldn't at the top of our bulletin. One day on Radio Fourth. Oh, the, the joys, the joys. Yeah, same team, same team. But I wouldn't be picking the same team this weekend because, and we'll speak about this later. We have a a kind of a form horse on the bench, and I think that necessitates a place in the starting lineup. Indeed, indeed. So it was the same starting eleven, which meant you know the same back four and goalkeeper that we've come to expect in recent weeks. Andy Irving. In the the sitting role in the diamond with Halliday left, McInef right, Mackay Stephen central in the number 10 or the tip of the diamond and Armand Nongdouillet and Liam Boyce in attack. Um, it, it was a bit of a, a turgid, a stodgy first half. It was um, very similar to what we've seen when we've, we've been frustrated by Hearts this season. I'll... Um, I'll read some of Robbie Nielsen's comments, actually. He said, it was a difficult first half. We struggled to break them down. They sat in with 11 players 30 yards from goal, so it would always be tough. Um, we didn't take the chances we had. wasn't an awful lot to work. I mean, Halliday probably should have done better with a chance he hit right foot. The keeper saved. Nongdwee did, I thought, very well on the angle to get such a decent effort in on goal, which uh, Viljami Sinisalo turned around the post. Bless you. But um, but it was it was it was a first half which I think a lot of people would have been frustrated at watching. It was it was frustrating for me watching it. I'm sure you were the same. But at the same time, now it's maybe you know, people will say, "But well, we knew what would happen." David Hopkin took over at um, Air United a couple of days before. He'd had one training session on Friday. This was his first game in charge. He kept the four-two-three-one formation as such on paper, but. Having seen David Hopkin, or seen his teams recently, we saw Hearts play a Morton team earlier in the campaign. 
I think we all knew what was coming largely anyway, would be a very deep defensive team when Hearts were on the ball. You know, they were actually, you would actually say they were expansive um, at the weekend Air United compared to what Hopkins Morton team were like in December when it was almost 90 minutes of every single player 35 yards from goal. Um, but we we knew this would come, didn't it? We, we, do, do, do fans sometimes maybe not appreciate how difficult that can be regardless of how much better your players are than the opposition? Hmm. Maybe they do, but I think everyone was perfectly entitled at half-time to have the same opinion as Mr Ewan Murray, our friend from The Guardian. The best bit of that half was the five minutes where the stream wouldn't work. Absolute pish. (laughs) (laughs) You probably didn't see that at the time because you you were supposedly working. Well, I didn't. I suppose I didn't need the word supposedly there. You were working because I, I watched you and listened to you and Jimmy, and I thought it was the same old, same old in the first half. And yeah, it talk was, about yeah. can 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 fans, um, not quite understand how difficult it is. Look, we've got better players. It's not difficult if we're at our best to get the better of of defensive teams. It was too slow. Mm-hmm. We take three or four touches when one or two would do. We take these little tippy-tappy passes when we don't get... Sometimes you can be direct as well as being pacey, as well as being better than the opponent. Just mix it up. How many times have we said, let's do something a little bit different because we're too predictable? It was the same old, same old. So yes, it can be frustrating. I get that. And if we were all in charge of, of hearts and we'd set the team up the way Robbie had as well with hopeful of pace, of trickery, of quickness of effervescence, and it didn't materialise because of the opposition. That's not new. This isn't the first game of the season. A lot of teams have done that. A lot of teams have come to Tynecastle and been like that. It's like we haven't really learned our lesson. And for me, the common denominator this season for Hearts has been a couple of things. One, they've done enough. Enough, most of the time, has been good enough. It's been good enough to get three points. But by doing enough... this is where it's difficult because there's so many things that are going on right now in this world um, with COVID, with the pandemic, and it's not normal. It's not ideal. There's different changing rooms. There's a lot of potential excuses there. Ultimately, we want to be playing and we will be playing in the Premiership next season. And that is when we can really start to judge how much uh, improvement has been made because you could win the league at a canter and then struggle when you get up if you win the championship, or you could win it without being at your best and then really hit the ground running next season. We can't answer that right now because mm-hmm. next season isn't upon us yet. So we don't know. Of course, we all would have liked better. But it's the other thing about the common denominator of this season has been the reactive nature of the football team more often than the proactive nature of the football team. And I think that's summed up best in the last four to six weeks, when the man we will go on to speak about, Jamie Walker, has come off the bench, provided us with a spark. We've gone on to to play the game. It's a bit like Spurs in the North London derby. They were poor for the first half hour. They then went ahead. They then, having conceded two goals, started to play with 10 men near the end because it was a kick up the backside. They were behind. They were rushed into doing something. It was kind of panic mode. Yeah. Now, that is something that I would have liked us, uh, uh, not a panic mode, 
but just a mode from the start. I mean, I'll probably put a tweet out prior to this weekend's game up at um, up at Bayview. We've mentioned it before. Gayfield. The last player, uh, sorry, Gayfield, the last player to score in the first 10 minutes for Hearts away from home in a league game was Arno June at St. Johnston. That's that's nuts. We're just, this isn't something that's that's just happened. It's happened all season. We've been slow. But going back before that, we've not started a game quickly for ages. Why? Yeah, uh, uh, fair points. Um, I, I mean, Nielsen goes on to say that the second half was better because the game was a bit more open and talks about the fact that it's about winning every week. So we will just focus on Saturday to Saturday and hopefully we get over the line sooner rather than later. Now, the second half was better, to, to be fair. We, we, upped the ante, yeah, we upped the ante a bit. There was a, a lovely pass from Smith to Nongdwee. Nice touch in on goal. I think a lot of times you'll expect that to go in, but the keeper does make a good save. Walker then comes on and <laughs> really should score. It's his first touch, so we'll maybe let him off. But um, Michael Smith drills into the box. It breaks kindly to Walker, seven or eight yards from goal, with the goal at his mercy. And he, I think, is leaning back a little bit, maybe a bit rusty coming off the bench, skies it over the crossbar. Uh, but then the goal comes, and it, I guess it's a moment of quality that we we didn't have enough of from Andy Irving. Lovely ball from the right, showing why he's got the most assists in the league. And an Armand Nongdwee rises in and bullets the header in. Now, I really like him, I have to say. And I know it's our late seven games, and we, we spoke about this last week. But um, that's now four goals and two assists in those seven games. And I think I, I talked about stats last week, and he's still got a goal or assist every 60 minutes now for Hearts, and a goal every 90 minutes he's played. But it's not just that. I, I, I liked some of his touches, um, his link-up play, and just even the simplicity of that. And I think uh, Jimmy said it on commentary, as soon as the keeper didn't come for that, you knew how, you knew he was going to score, because he wasn't going to get beaten in the air. And I just sometimes I just like that, the old-fashioned... Big striker, if you put a good ball into the box, that's all he needs. He's a player, so I was just messaging a friend of, of mine who works for Blackpool, and he does a weekly podcast for Blackpool. He's had Stevie Banks on. I was just basically saying, I actually meant to do it beforehand, so apologies for not being um, on top of this, but I just wanted to get his thoughts on Armand Nondwee from a, a, an opposition, well, not so much opposition, but from a different perspective, like we had the Dundee supporter on earlier this season on the podcast and you just get a different viewpoint. So once I get a response from him, I'll, I'll let you know, but I'm with you. I like him. He's different. We spoke last week about him kind of being a little bit Mark DeVries, although more mobile, but more a kind of Ricardo Fuller, although less, slightly less talented. But how many times have we said, like, let's, the boys seems really good in the air. I wonder what it'd be like if there was a constant stream of crosses. Yeah. What a delivery <laughs> that was. That, that goal was just as much about the delivery. Yeah. Because it was it was beautiful from Andy Irving. And another week's gone and he's still not signed a new deal, which is getting a little bit worrying. I was thinking about this the other day. If I'm an opposition manager, and I, I didn't really know what level of opposition manager I would want to be to want to make a move for Andy Irving. He might be a player I would want, if I was a better club, a decent big club, I might want to kind of have on the bench from week to week um, and integrate him slowly if I was trying to get him from Hearts, but I'd certainly be interested in signing him. And right now, clubs can do that. So that, that's a concern. 
But what a delivery and a super, super header. Let's have more of that, please, going forward. Indeed. Uh, I, I saw Armand Nongdouye endearing himself to, to fans on social media as well. I don't use Instagram, but I saw his videos were being shared on, on Twitter as well. It was um, Harry HMFC, actually, I saw sharing one of them. I don't know if you saw this. He just had just had music on in his car, and he was just videoing himself singing and bouncing his head along to it, which I just thought was very... That's, that sounds like Marvin Andrews. That, that, that was, a friend of mine is a Rangers fan, and he posted a photo this morning of Marvin singing Four Lads or Four Boys Had a Dream or whatever it's called. Um, I love that. I mean, I think if you've got a happy player and someone who I mean, you've already got the city and once lockdown ends, I don't know what your data is there, but hopefully if everyone plays their part, it can start to slowly open up and he'll get to see what Edinburgh is all about. If he enjoys the city and he's enjoying his football, then it's such a big thing. We mentioned about not being able to to go to other players' houses, even if you've developed a rapport at training or at the Orium with a certain other player and you can't even go and spend time with them because of the lockdown. Imagine things are kind of back to... Imagine we've got a happy Armonondwe and just a happy feel. I mean, our clocks have gone forward here. We're only four hours behind you now, but it's an hour lighter for longer. And it's just there's a better feel. Imagine that Mm -hmm. good feeling lasts um, among the players and it'll be when, not if, we go up. I just, I, I know for a fact a lot of people, and I probably have as well without really knowing it, suffer from the uh, the SAD, the, uh, is it seasonal affection? Uh, seasonal affective disorder, what, yeah. Affective disorder, yeah. And I totally get that. You throw in a pandemic into that as well. So the release for a lot of these players right now would be playing football, going to their work, seeing people that they want to see. So team spirit can only help going forward with hopefully a partial lockdown ending and people getting back to some semblance of normality because, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like when the pubs first open and people can sit by. Everyone's going to be absolutely steaming. They, they really are because it's just, it's just a, it's like a pressure cooker of, of frustration, both mentally and physically for a lot of people. And if you've got all these players who, although we've got a lot of new signings as well, that's why I just think, and I know, there's been frustration. We haven't been at our best and whatever. And I, uh, Barry Anderson wrote a big piece about Robbie Nielsen and, and defending the whole scenario, um, but pointing out where flaws are as well. I think this is just a case of, you know what? Let's just get this season done. Let's get up and then we can really work when hopefully there's no restrictions on anybody, whether it's training or, or whatever. And we can really work over the summer and preseason and really hit the ground running. And if we can, Remember Mark De Vries when he was on talking about the 5-1 when he'd scored four and he got the taxi to Alan Mabry's house because it was his birthday party. They had an absolute blast and it just helped develop the team's spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. So some people might be frustrated. They might want, in fact, most people probably frustrated at the way we're playing. Let's just write this season off as a, it's one of those seasons we'll get up next season is where they should really be judged. And you know what? If they don't start next season well, I think they're fair game for any criticism that comes their way. This season, I can understand why there's people that are saying, just come on, let's do what we're meant to do. Let's get up. It might not be ideal, but you know what? You don't want to play well every week and not get up. That would be the ultimate boot in the balls. So patience. That's all I'm asking. 
Indeed, so that was 1-0. Fantastic header from Armong Nongdwee from Andy Irving's beautifully crafted set piece. Uh, and then Jamie Walker, who'd obviously missed that glorious chance before, uh, made absolutely no mistake to to wrap things up um, late on. Michael Smith's cross from the right and <laughs> Gervain Castanier will get an assist for this, but I actually couldn't in the this in the in this at the moment with very little time to to think about it because the ball broke and Walker basically ripped the the net with his finish, but I had no idea exactly what had happened because it just seemed to hit off Castanier, and that's exactly what happens. It takes a yeah, it's, to- a t- <laughs> it's a touch off the defender. The some players we we speak about proaction and reaction. That that touch throws everybody. Because it doesn't even, even if it changes direction slightly, you've got to wait until it hits that player. But there, there was definitely a touch. And ultimately, this ended up being a, a decent assist. How much he meant of that, I don't know. You can see how frustrated he is, though, because he's thinking he's got a goal. But it must change the angle somehow, somehow sorry, of, of, um, of the cross. But ultimately, Jamie finishes it well. He got, he got this one, right? Yep, 51 goals uh, for Hearts now. So... Um... Excellent. I mean, it obviously wrapped up what was a thoroughly deserved win in the end for Hearts, despite a first half which was a bit frustrating, and put the gap to 15 points at the time of recording, although three teams below Hearts have two games in hand. But as we're recording this, Mark, I don't know if you've looked at this, it probably sums up um, the championship below us this season because two of the teams who are in the top four uh, at the time of writing, are both at home tonight, and they're both losing. Dundee nil, Air United two with twenty minutes to go, and ten man Wraith Rovers nil, Inverness Cali Thistle one. As things stand, it, it's such a it's such a congested league in most positions apart from ours. Um, so I, I would imagine, although Dunfermline will still have those two games in hand, that's certainly going to be another couple of results that will help us. Get things wrapped up, hopefully sooner rather than later, as Robbie Nielsen says. Yeah, there was a phrase going about, and I don't, I don't know who it was. Otherwise, I would have credited them. When Leicester won the league in the Premier League, one of the phrases that went about was one of Leicester's biggest strengths was their opponent's weaknesses. And you could argue that there wasn't really much of a title challenge. It wasn't a Man City or a Liverpool, and the same can be said about the Scottish Championship, and that. One of Hart's biggest strengths this season has been their opponent's weaknesses or their opponent's lack of consistency. Because there's not too much separating a lot of these teams in this championship. That's why I said earlier, we've done enough. And it's been enough. It's not been kind of wiped the floor with them. I was looking at the comparison of the table um, around about this stage of, of uh, the season that we came up when Hibs and Rangers were in the league. Um, but it's been very different. I think we only lost once at that stage. How many, how many league games did we lose all season? Was it just the one in that championship no, season? No, we, we lost to Falkirk, we lost to Hibs, and we lost to Rangers. Right, so at the time it was it was just once. At the same it was time, just Falkirk before then. we'd sealed it. That's right. Was that 3-2 at um 3-2 at, at Tankcastle, yeah. Yeah. So, again, this season, it's been, about, it's been about doing enough. We would like to have done more. And I don't want this to be a kind of excuses for because we haven't we haven't been at the level that our players 
suggest, the quality of our players suggests that, that, that we should be. But one of the other things is one of our biggest strengths this season has been our opponent's weaknesses and our opponent's lack of consistency. OK, moving on from Hearts to Air Nil at the weekend. A uh, subject that came up last week was the the academy, the youth system, um, the development of youngsters at Hearts, or however you want to, to phrase it. This was um, Lawrence Anderson McLean actually put a comment on the uh, the episode week before last, I think. Um, just about is that something that can be can be discussed? Is it something that you can look at? You know what's happening there. And obviously last week, you know, if you tuned in last week, then you would have heard that we did speak about it. But I suppose the the end result from us discussing it was the you know the admission from both of us that we don't know enough about the younger players at Hearts to say should they be given a chance or is it a case that the quality is not there because neither of us watch um, the development side or the younger age group so we were hoping to hear from some people who maybe had a better idea about it and uh, I was very grateful for uh, for a message I got from Callum Robertson actually who is the former chair of the HYDC the Hearts Youth Development Committee who listens to the show and got in touch after listening to that episode last week and I had a little back and forth and fired some other questions to him. So I'm going to go into what he said, but first of all, I don't know if everyone's aware of the HYDC, um, so I thought I'd just give a bit of context about that, because the Hearts Youth Development Committee was a huge part of, of obviously, Hearts youth system and bringing through younger players. It was started in the early 90s, and it was Joe Jordan, actually. It was his idea. Um, when he was manager at Tynecastle at the start of the 90s. And just very quickly, I'll go through so, some quotes from Joe Jordan on that side of it, and then obviously why Hearts moved away from it. So Jordan said, um, when I was managing a, a club, I wanted to know the structure. That's what I asked at Hearts. I asked about the scouting system, what we covered. How do we compete with the Celtics, the Rangers and the Hibs? We tried to get boys associated with the club right away. We needed help and these people helped us. It wasn't just the financial side, it was the involvement of people whose heart and spirit are with the club. That's vital. You can get money from different quarters, but you need people who are dedicated. That's what the people in the on the youth committee were. They lived in the Edinburgh area, they knew the city, they had contacts. It was for their club, so they had a purpose. The objective was to have local Edinburgh lads associated with the hearts to come through a youth structure. You had dedicated fans who had time to put in... Um, who time to put in to generate finances and maintain an association with, and I was going to say a community, but we're talking about a capital city here. At all cl- clubs, at whatever level, there's nothing better than young lads emerging. That applies to Hearts, to Barcelona, and to much smaller clubs. The guys who have sat on the committee for the last 27 years, I'm sure that was their vision as well. There's nothing better sitting in the stand on a Saturday afternoon, watching lads who have developed through the Hearts Academy. That's uh, the way I saw it, and that's how I saw it when I was a kid as well. So he was speaking uh, 27 years after the formation of HYDC, which is when it be, when it was kind of brought to an end. Um, now, it, it was effective. So it was, it, basically, they raised money through this. It was through things like burn suppers, charity matches, golf days, you know, monthly prize draws, and it helped with facilities and equipment, you know, defibs for every Hearts youth team, video analysis software, cameras, floodlights trips that they needed to fund 
Um, I mean, there were also things like uh, when Hearts signed Kevin McHattie when he was 17 from Dunfermline in 2010, the Hearts Youth Development Committee paid the transfer fee of £10,000. So, you know, they actually, there was about £1.3 in fundraising, I read, over that 27 years. But in 2018, Hearts had the, obviously, the Rickerton Academy, state-of-the-art facilities, uh, obviously the Orion complex, Orium complex as well. Craig Levine, the year prior, in 2017, had opened Hearts' own football performance school uh, at Belerno High, um, and all this is funded by the club. So this kind of rendered HYDC obsolete. So that's where Hearts had been with the youth side of things, which is where Callum was involved, and then they kind of brought it all in-house, which was, you know, we heard a lot of the plans from Hearts when Anne Budge took over, when Craig Levine was made director of football, about focusing on the academy. So I thought it was quite good to, to hear from Callum, because although he, obviously the HYDC, which he was involved in, um, was obviously ended, brought to an end three years ago. Um, he's still been heavily involved in some of the younger age groups and I'll quote some things here. So I asked him about his involvement. He said, until the pandemic, I watched all ages from under 11s up to under 18s, Fridays, Saturdays and Sunday when they played at the Orium. On occasion, I would travel with the under 18s to away games on Friday nights as well, if work allowed it. Now he goes into what I spoke about last week. So I'd mentioned Craig Levine and the fact that when he was director of football, he was really heavily involved in the philosophy, and this philosophy had been all the young, all the age groups, all the way up to the first team, play the same way, and they play football the right way. So they play out from the back, they play the same sort of system, the same kind of football, and that then goes up through the ranks. So all the players in the different positions know what they're meant to do, and they can then slot into the first team when that chance arises. Ideally, that's the the plan, and um. Callum says, a lot of what you said about Craig Levine's vision and philosophy, philosophy was pretty accurate. Like all levels of football, it's about opinion. In my view, some of the players are good enough to progress at hearts. However, we are now suffering in my, from developing a lot of similar players. Um, he did say he was aware of the teenager stat I mentioned last week as well, which is the fact that hearts haven't used a teenager in a league game yet this season. Callum goes on to say, in my humble opinion, I think some of the youngsters may have played this year if it wasn't for the pandemic. These boys haven't had competitive games for 12 months. Um, I know that Robbie put players on loan because he wanted them to play games. Unfortunately, the league then got stopped. My view is that Cammy Logan has a great chance, but unfortunately for him, Michael Smith, Mr. Consistent, plays in his position. Uh, I would really like to see Connor Smith given a chance, as he has desire and hunger in, in bucket loads, which is an accusation that has been thrown at some of the f- uh, first team players, their lack of that. Um, both Cammy and Connor are now enjoying preparing to play for Cove, and hopefully in a Scottish Cup tie against Rangers at Ibrox. Um, as always with the academy, I am biased, but I really hope they take the opportunity to flourish. Um, this is obviously all the words of Callum. So, I asked him a couple of other things because that's him talking generally about some of the players coming through. I asked him about the pandemic and if that's what is having a big impact on Hearts not using youngsters this season. And he says, the full extent of the effect of the COVID pandemic won't be known until the boys get back into regular training and into games. In my opinion, the academy is working. However, if it is purely judged on development into first team players, the question is entitled to be asked. I personally think players do improve, develop and learn about the game at the Hearts Academy, 
I think if the pandemic hadn't hit, players like Smith, Logan, Scott McGill, he also mentions Aiden, Aiden Denham, may have been around the first team. And if shown the correct levels, then given opportunities. These boys haven't kicked a ball in anger uh, until the recent fr- friendlies for 12 months. So again, he thinks that has played a big mm. part. Um, on Craig Levine, because I, I did mention the, the show last week, did Craig Levine's move into the head coach, the managerial role, affect things? Because he then was doing a dual role. Um, he said, Callum says, I saw what Craig Levine was doing with the academy at close hand. His influence was always there. It is a cliche, but he was there morning, noon and night. That continued once he took the dual role. I certainly never saw a dip in performance levels once he took on both roles. I do think Hearts fans will see players coming through in the next few years, but possibly not at the rate they have in the past. Um, I asked about what are the issues then? Are there any issues? He said, in my opinion, part of the problem is after academy football finishes, which is up to under 18, there is limited pathway for kids to play before first team football. There's no reserve league, so after under 20s Youth Cup, where do they learn their trade? Um, Hearts have been spoiled in the past with the amount of youngsters who have come through, but at times they were promoted early through needs and external issues. He mentions things like the signing ban, obviously, when, when Hearts were having their financial problems, and this was detrimental to some players development hmm. finally i just asked callum so what do you think is going to happen what does the future hold and he said i think the academy will need to keep developing and look forward to the performance school at balerno producing hearts players in the future i know it won't be popular but that may take a few years yet finally one thing i would like to say is obviously i see a lot of academy teams and coaches and i am confident that hearts coaches are up there with the best it's easy to be negative about the academy but it has worked it is working and it will continue to work Hmm. really interesting really interesting and thank you for the time taken to put all that down to into words to give us a bit of an insight the whole supporter aspect of this is how many youngsters have we brought through the ranks and are playing? We don't see like a lot of that email, everything that goes on day to day behind the scenes. There's a, there's a lot of things that we can dissect from that. The, the bottom line is we asked or requested, if possible, for someone like that to, to give us an insight because all we do is sit and watch Hearts TV at the weekend because we can't get to the games. We're not allowed to go to, to see youth teams so we were looking for a bit more of an educated opinion so thank you for that I think we've been hard done by not just us every club in the the first couple of leagues um, has been hard done by by league one and league two not being up and running like it will be this weekend thankfully I saw Harry Stone the Hearts goalkeepers off to Albion Rovers to get some game time yeah I mean they they should be doing that if they can with with as many players as possible uh, we spoke last week, if Hearts were in the Premiership and not in the Championship, would we even have had Championship football playing during the last couple of months? I, I highly doubt it. I just think the way that everything has been handled has been difficult. It's easy to sit and criticise, but when sport and politics mix, it can get messy at the times. And once you throw politics into the mix, you then have a very divisive society who will have blinkers on. And if those blinkers come with the blinkers of following a football team, which all supporters have, it becomes very difficult for uniformity here. So once we see the players 
play hopefully this season, those that go out on loan. I mean, remember when we had Gary Naismith as a loan manager? I mean, yeah. he's now he's at Edinburgh City now, but his his new team has not even been able to 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 play. Um, again, it's it's patience, isn't it? I'm sitting here with Atalanta against Real Madrid on while we're doing this, and Atalanta has one of the best youth systems in uh, in Italy, but when Gasparini came in in, in 2016. He wanted to tweak a few things, and he, he basically said, look, I need patience from top to bottom. And they're now in the Champions League. They were just a, a kind of lower mid-table Serie A side. But he's like, look, we don't have that much money, so we have to do two things. One, we have to look at players from leagues that maybe aren't very fashionable, and we sign them and do our scouting on them and hope that ultimately we can then, when we get them, do something with them. And they've been very successful in doing that, especially the wing-back system. But the other thing was, it was generate their own talent through the youth system, which was already in place, really good facilities. So the problem that we have these days, Laurie, is that everyone wants everything done yesterday. There's no patience. And I include me in that and everybody. It's the way we are now. It's an instantaneous world. And if something's not good enough, forget it. Done with it had enough it's tough it's hard and for someone to say just have patience you might not get all these kids coming through over the next year or two it might take three four five years but you will have some talent coming through it might not be as quick as it was previously but there will still be talent coming through I don't think it's that different with other football clubs I don't know but I don't think suddenly someone has um, got the the kind of golden ticket for Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and will suddenly, in the next 12 months, have this burgeoning youth system because everyone's been affected by this. So I think it'll be intriguing over the next year or two to see how many players come through. And the other thing is as well, Laurie, you've got to have faith in them. And that goes down to the management and the coaching staff at the football club and not just the coaching staff of Robbie Nielsen, Gordon Forrest and Lee McCulloch, but the whole coaching staff from top to bottom of the club. There has to be uh, communication, Who's got a chance? And Lee McCulloch certainly seemed when he came on with us to be on top of all that. But there's a lot of different things that go into showing a lot of talent and being prodigiously talented as a teenager to ending up playing for the Hearts first team. We just want to see more. Indeed, we also got some some other tweets, which I thought would be interesting to go through to get some different perspectives as well. Flitch message and said it's difficult uh, with the effects of covid for fans to assess the readiness of young players that said it appears that our youth setup has been lacking for a few years example motherwell setup seems very good in comparison to ours and they bring them through and play them or sell them on um gordon stitt said i would say covid will potentially have had more of an impact over the next few years as uh, with the under 18s and below not training Going even younger, I fear that boys and girls uh, will have lost interest in football with not having the option to play for two long spells in the last year. That's a big concern. That is a, that's a good point and a big concern. Yeah, it's a big gap. And I guess that goes, you know, it's similar to people, you know, getting worried about education where there's been this year gap where it's been makeshift. Uh, and a lot of people in crucial stages of learning generally, academically, that I guess the same applies to people learning football-wise when they're in 
key uh, points. And we're not going to know. Yeah, we're not going to know, gonna know for, no. for a few years. Indeed. Um, Matthew Harold said, uh, there's been an issue with the coaching. Uh, after Levine's health scare, it seems youngsters got less and less of a chance, illustrated by the fact that before Stendhal beat Rangers in the league, John Daly suggested on Radio Scotland he would have started Demur ahead of Irving. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that, but that, uh, yeah, I don't think many would have agreed with that, and I don't think Daniel Stendhal did. Um, what Loic Demur, I was going to call him Leonardo Demur, I've forgotten his name. He's been in uh, he's been in isolation for how many years now? Oh God, yeah, he's... he was he was trending before uh, he was very trendy before the whole pandemic because he was already self isolating. Um, <laughs> I think that was mainly because he was told to that he wasn't. He wasn't welcome Self-isolate in the reserves. Mm. Oh, wait, the reserves aren't playing. Oh, sorry, mate, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you can go home now. Um, well, maybe maybe we'll see him again someday. He did get a four-year contract, after all. Let's not go how into far that. Through that. How far through is that? And, uh, I mean, it, he's, he's got to be halfway, more than halfway now, isn't he? Is he, no, is he in his s- final year? He only signed last season. The more? Yeah, this, it was start of last season, so at the end of the season he'll be Christ, halfway through like, it. But... That feels like forever ago. So he's not he's not even halfway through a four year. It's been a really? long it's been a long long oh, spell, Mark. Um, uh, Callum says uh, I've no idea about the quality in the academy right now, but you can't really blame Nielsen for sticking with the first team. It's imperative we get promoted this season, and he perhaps felt it was too much of a risk throwing in youngsters especially in such a short season. I get that. I understand that. That's a good that. point. I mean, it is a good yeah. point. Yeah. It's to do with trust. And, and this isn't Rangers in, in League Two, where they know they're going to win it. Hearts didn't know. Hearts thought they would likely win it, and, and we're going to do that. But why take the risk? Well, you can take the risk because what you're doing, I'll, I'll take you back to when Motherwell went into administration, and they were playing kids like James McFadden and... I think Stephen Pearson at the time as well, probably at least a couple of years before they would have had a chance. And we did something similar um, towards the end of the final year in the top flight before we got um, relegated down to the championship, didn't we? I'm sure we were giving youngsters a game. And sometimes it's 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 kind of necessary. There's that part of that word again. Um, but other times you can... You can play a part in setting yourself up for the future while doing well at present. And I've seen a couple of people, um, Lawrence Brody has had some pertinent points on social media about whether it's short-termism, same as Celtic, and kind of all the eggs in one basket. You can still progress youngsters while completing a job. Uh, Andy Irving is, is, is one. Could there have been more? I mean, it's, we can nitpick. Time will tell. This, this is all about what we do next season. And have enough things been put in place behind the scenes on the field for next season? I mean, money-wise, reading some of Ann Budge's uh, quotes recently talking about where hearts will be and that there's still, there's still going to be not penny-pinching but watching the cash while she hopes there's, there's still going to be cash available to strengthen the squad. But there's another argument. Do we trust the people that are going to be advising who to get? I think we do now that we've got, um, that we've got Joe from Joe Savage up from, from Preston. Um, 
but again, we'll we'll have to wait and see. The the proof of the pudding. This is this is a this is a pudding that will not be eligible to be tasted probably until the same time next year, if not a few months before that. We'll know how well we've done and whether or not it's been a, a success back in the Premiership. Could we have done more, though, to integrate youngsters into the team this season? I think we could. Rich says, um, as you said in the podcast, it would be great to get one of the youth coaches on and get an informed view. And obviously Callum's provided a little bit of an informed view, but that's a, it's a good point. It's something that I think we'll look at. I don't know who, but we might have a look at seeing if we can get someone who's either involved or who has been involved previously. Um, Rich also says, I think all fans would love to see more homegrown talent. And as the third biggest team in Scotland, we should surely be producing them. Uh, Scott Ratcliffe says, more generally, COVID has been horrific for kids and young players. Uh, Players who are in that upper age bracket of academies will suffer and be released if they don't hit the ground running when football resumes. A lot are gifted technical trainers and don't have the competitive edge, which is kind of what we're alluding to in terms of that lost lost time at a vital point for, for many of them. Can I just can I follow up on that, please, yeah. Laurie? Yeah. And it, it's to do, and I think that's a really important point, and I think it's important we, we mention it as well, it's not just about ability. Everyone has dealt with this pandemic and the associations of this pandemic and the self-isolation required by this pandemic in different ways. I might be over here in Connecticut, but I'm not ashamed to admit there have been more than one occasion where I've really struggled with mental health and, and various other things because you just... It's like going along a, a motorway in the UK, a highway over here, and you see a, a sign that's saying in three miles, roadworks for three miles. You get past that and you think, right, we're done. And then it's and more roadworks for another seven. You get through that. It's just constant. It's been a boot in the balls constantly. And if, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough for anybody. And I just wonder about these talented youngsters. And it's different from when I was a teenager. It's different from when you were a teenager. And for most of our our kind of listeners, unless you're kind of 20 or 21, where it wasn't that long ago, I think teenagers and, and how they've adapted, how they've dealt with it, uh, becoming a bit of a recluse would be totally understandable because your best friend on a lot of occasions has been social media because you haven't been able to get out of your house. So fitness-wise for all these talented boys and girls out there as well, has that suffered if they've had nowhere to go and train? I mean, I'll take you back to the Australian Open tennis over the last couple of months. And for the two weeks that most players got to Australia, they weren't even allowed out of their hotel rooms. So they had to find a way of keeping fit. Some of them managed it. Others struggled. Some struggled mentally. Others were, were okay. But I just wonder, going back to that point, that's why I think it's an important point. Is enough going to be done? And rather than being reactive, and this isn't a hearts thing. This is a societal thing. Is enough going to be done? Are there plans in place to help boys and girls, young men, young women to deal with not so much how to, to take their ability from this step to the next step, but mentally and physically? Are there things going to be in place with the government or whoever, local authorities, to ensure that these people can continue on a path that hopefully will lead to the next generation of our country your country, thriving, that's key. Don't wait until they have problems 
before trying to address their problems. Try and get in now. There's so many other things. This is a difficulty, Laurie. There's so many other things that we all have to do right now, whether it's us, whether it's the government, whether it's local authorities. There's so many things that need. It's like a, a checklist, a, a box ticking. There's got to be a place in that list for the talented youngsters, the boys and girls who might end up going not off the rails, but taking a different path because they've fallen out of love with football or sport. I don't want that. Just quickly go through some of the other ones we got. Feg Bizet said, quite some indictment of Craig Levine's tenure as director of football and everybody associated with his five-year plan that we sit here in the championship with such questions being legitimately posed. Um, Ewan Murray said, I'm disappointed McGill especially hasn't played, but the COVID element is huge here. These kids have lost months of game time in build-up form. Uh, Ross says, not sure if it's COVID or not, but we do appear to be failing in youth development right now. Players are either not good enough to break into a championship team or aren't seen as good enough to do so. This season should have been a chance to blood a few younger players. And... Lastly, Ewan Pringle sent us a message and he also sent something attached with it, which was quite interesting, actually. So Ewan says, in Scotland, not just Hearts, there appears to be an issue getting the transition of from 17-year-old to, to the first team. Players miss the key years of development and are also instead loaned out when it seems less risky as any mistakes won't cost the first team. With COVID, there's no lower league games or reserve football, but there really isn't much of a pathway to the first 11 by the looks of it. And that's obviously a point that Callum Robertson was was mentioning in his messages to me as well. Um, He says the younger ages may not have the quality, but uh, Connor Smith, um, Anthony McDonald and Cochrane all looked confident and technically good enough when breaking through. This is an article from 2017, so he He attached um, just a quote from an article which says, Brian Marwood, the managing director of City Football Services, agreed, We did some research last year and discovered that in the last 10 years, 83% of players who featured in the quarter-final stage of the Champions League had all played first-team football at 17. Which... I thought was quite mm, interesting, interesting. Actually. Yeah, it is. Um, he's, and Ewan goes on to say, this raises the question, though, as to whether in Scotland we are doing things too slowly. Are there more teenagers playing first-team football in the Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, whereas we may swing to safer, older players, Halliday versus McGill, for example? Um, and that's a good question, actually. I don't know if maybe the Champions League is just a different example pool because you're talking quarterfinals of the Champions League, you're talking elite players, if you want to call them that, so all the teams yeah. and the players involved in there are generally at a very high level. Or Plus, you've got, you've got yeah. match day six as well, Laurie, whereby a, a number of the big clubs have already qualified, and you see match day six lineups from the big boys, and a lot of the time it is debuts or, or whatever for, for youngsters, so that's a good point. So I, th- I thought that was a, an interesting one. So thank you for that, you and thank you to everyone for for getting in touch. It was it was really good to hear the different views on that. Okay, moving on from that, I have a quick quiz for you, and it's relevant. Um, yeah, I, I think I might have made this too easy, but we'll find out how you get on. So this is a, Academy graduates. I'm going to give you. If, can I just can I just stop you because I don't know where else I'll fit it in. So I got a response about Nondouille from our friend at Blackpool. Okay, yeah. Um, at Blackpool, he was one week unplayable, and you thought could easily be 
um, the best player in the championship, and then the next week he could be dragged off after 10 minutes. I had a lot of dealings with him at the club, and he was a bit of an outsider as well, but a lovely guy. Um, so I said, we're just speaking about him on the podcast. Um, it looks like he seems to be enjoying life on the pitch at Hearts, and I said that I think he'll come more into his own once lockdown ends and he can enjoy the city and life outside the bubble. And he said, yeah, to be honest, at Hearts, he should be standing out massively. But the issue of no fans walking the league could lead to complacency. And that's when he's a wasted talent, a very talented yet frustrating striker, in my opinion. I get that. I totally get that. That's why he's at Hearts. We are the kind of home for (laughs) not broken players, but players that we're like we're like a jumble sale in that there's all sorts at our football club. And there's some absolute gems. But there's others that need a bit of TLC. He'd probably go into the the latter category, but could easily be the, the, the former category if, again, it's just focus. But do you know what? If someone who scored 18 in 36 last season for, for exactly. Blackpool in the league and he was still frustrated that he wasn't putting it on all the time, then if anything, that encourages me that if, if he scores one in two for Blackpool you know, it's almost 20 goals in the season. He's getting a one and two ratio and they still felt he was maybe, he wasn't performing all the time. Then that's, you know, that's encouraging as to what could be possible. Cause you know, he's still, I think so. he's still, still not 30 yet. And given the type of player it is, you know, he's not a, he's not a winger where his speed's going to be crucial. You know, you think he could still have a good two or three years, at least at a decent level. So sorry, that I, I... Yeah, I, I didn't get the answer until after we'd spoken about it earlier and we moved on. So apologies for interrupting your, that's quite your right. quiz. I just thought that, I thought that was interesting. It was. Thank you for that. And thank you uh, for your, your friend at Blackpool. Um, so academy graduates. So I've got six of them, actually. Now, people maybe argue what's an academy graduate. They have to have come through at least certain levels. But these all fall into the rough category. Some of them signed later on, but at least we're with the Hearts youth team for a period. Um, so we'll go through them. I'll give you the setup. I'll explain a bit about the player. And now this week, okay. like I said last week, don't give me the answer straight away. We'll come back to them just okay. in case people want to play along and it gives them a chance to have a think about it. Because I've made at least some of them pretty easy. I think you'll know at least one of them, the first one I start with, in about five seconds. And they all played. They all went on to play... For the first team? Yes, the, these are all players that did go on to then play in the first team. They didn't okay. disappear. Some of them more successful than others, but yeah, they all went sure. on to play for the first team. Okay, so academy graduate number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edinburgh born, signed for the Hearts youth team in 1999, had previously been on the books of Curry Boys Football Club, loaned to Cowdenbeath in 2001, where he would make his senior debut against Sterling Albion made his Hearts debut against Livingston in the SPL away from home in October 2002. He started that match at the age of 19. Okay. So it's Academy graduate one. I'll quickly summarise them at the end when we go through the answers. So that's one. Number two um, is also Edinburgh born. Uh, joined the Hearts youth team around 2002. He, he had previously been with Edina Hibbs. Edina Hibbs. Edina Hibbs, sorry. Is it Edina? Edina? Where does that name come from, anyway? Edina Hibbs? Yeah. I've, is it not to do with the Irish ancestry of um, of Hibernian back in the day? 
Oh, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer. I just not wondered. sure. Not sure. I thought there was, there was never a correlation directly, but I think there was some sort of association. But I think the the whole uh, Edina part of that is some form of kind of Edinburgh. Um, was it Edinburgh University not called um, Edina? Oh, it, 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 it's not. It's not overly. I just wondered. Well, well. Here we go. Edina is a late 18th century poetical form used by the Scots poets Robert Ferguson and Robert Burns. Embra or Embro are colloquially colloquially. Oh Christ, I can't. I'm a commentator, and I'm I'm certainly not a cunning linguist today. Colloquialism. Oh Jesus! From the. You need to question. necessitate the. the oh, this is. Oh, let, let me. I haven't done too many tangents today, so. I've long oh, we got had, so close. I know, I know, I know. I've long decided when doing this podcast, I rarely say it, but if we win the week before, I have uh, an alcoholic beverage. So today I have got, Christ, typical, it's a whole host of bloody German weird letters. Wernerschgruner, it's all these finest. You it's can say that. <laughs> Can't even say anything like that. Okay. Um, that's that's a brief tangent today. Anyway, because the longer I go, the more yeah. likely I'm going to screw yeah. up. Yeah. Okay. So this player was signed in 2002 from um, Edina Hibs, uh, mm-hmm. made his senior debut for Hearts in November 2003 as a substitute against Dundee United, aged 18. Uh, he also scored his first competitive goal for Hearts in April 2006 in a 2-0 win against Kilmarnock. Okay. Number three. Um, is also Edinburgh born. They're not all Edinburgh born. I'm not just gonna <laughs> just I'm not just adding this the same way every time. He was signed in nineteen ninety from Hutchie Vale, made his competitive Ooh. debut in May ninety three at the mm-hmm. age of seventeen away to St Johnston in the Premier Division. He mm-hmm. scored his first competitive goal also against St Johnston in a 4-2 League Cup defeat at Tynecastle in 94, aged 19. Mm-hmm. Number four, this this player is Glasgow-born. He came through the youth ranks and made his competitive debut in May 1993. He scored in a 1-1 draw with Airdrieonians at Tynecastle. He started the game at the age of 19. Mm-hmm. Got that one, yep. Okay. Number five. Is How many other? Two more. Um, number five is Paisley Bourne, mm-hmm. signed from Rangers Boys Club, um, and was also loaned to Cowdenbeath before he made his senior debut at Hearts. I think that's all you should need for that one. Keep going. And number six, finally. Is no, Lee. number five. Sorry, I thought there was more to number no, five. No, no, I think, five. I think that's all you need. Paisley Bourne, yep. signed from Rangers Boys Club. Mm-hmm. And also loaned to Cowden Beef before making okay. a senior debut for Hearts. Okay, and number six. London born. Mm-hmm. Moved to Scotland when he was three. Uh, signed from Tencastle Boys Club and made his competitive debut in 2012 against St Johnston, aged 17. Hmm. Good that. I thought the last one might throw you a little bit because it's at the edge of your. Being involved with hearts on a weekly basis. <laughs> what in 2012? Yeah. Mm. The other the other ones are all your better memory periods, I think. <laughs> given my uh, given my lack of of uh, 
ability to speak today. I don't think memory is the biggest <laughs> issue that I have right now. Anyway, I'll go through them. Okay, so we've got six here. So um, number one, um, mm. Simon for Hearts in 99, the youth team, previously in the books of Curry Boys Club, loaned to Cowden Beef, made his debut there, then first game for Hearts against Levy in 2002. The player is... Is it Craig Gordon? It is, yes. Okay. thought you'd get that one. Nice, easy to easy win. Um, the next one was the player who joined around 2002, having been with Edina Hibbs, made a, a senior debut for Hearts in 2003 as a sub against Dundee United, scored his first goal for Hearts in April 2006 against Kilmarnock in a 2-0 win. The player is... Christopher. It is, yes, indeed. Two out of two. Um, number three, signed in 1990 from Hutchie Vale. A competitive debut in 93 at the age of 17, away to St Johnston in the league, and then scored his first competitive goal at home to St Johnston in a League Cup defeat in 94 when he was 19. Is it Gary Locke? It is, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was going to put, went to Bonnyrick, <laughs> went to Bonnyrick uh, no, High, no. but that would have no, been no. too easy. Um, it is, yes, Mr Gary Locke. Uh, number four, Glasgow born. Came through the ranks at Hearts and made his competitive debut in 93, scoring on that debut against Airdrieonians at Tencastle, started age 19. Alan Johnston. Yes, indeed. Mr. Alan Johnston. I didn't have any previous youth teams for, for him, so but Glasgow-born, so I thought that might add something different to his one. But yeah, um, Alan Johnston. Uh, what we have next? Paisley-born. Signed from Rangers Boys Club. Also loaned to Cowdenbeath. I actually struggle with this because it seems so obvious. Mm. It seems so obvious. I thought. Um, the, I thought the first bit would. I thought the first bit would. The Paisley born. I thought the first bit would start to give it away, and then I thought the second bit would really give it away. So that's why I didn't really give you any more. Well, if you give me more, it might help me because I don't think I'll get it. Although, I mean, it's probably going to be so obvious. Um, no, it won't. Cow and beef. Dearie me. I know, I know, I know, I know. Paisley, the... How many Paisley-born graduates have we had through the... I don't know. I've done it all in your kind of era. I've not went, like... I know, it's an obvious one, and I'm struggling with it. Come on. Um, what was the third part going to be? Because you kind of, you were abrupt in the end of your question. I thought I was getting more. There wasn't. I, I was surprised I, I even added the loan to kind of beef, but I thought that would be... Well, it's no Robbie Buchanan, I'll tell you that. It's not, no. Is it Robbie Nielsen? It is Robbie Nielsen, yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, 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 gee whiz. Oh, Paisley, of course. Oh, no. I mean, when you was that, a Rangers, when you was a, a Rangers boy and he was from Paisley, I thought that would be like... Anyway. That necessitates a kick up the arse for Donaldson, that one. Indeed. I got there in the end. I mean, geez, you did. Thank you. That, I, that's one of these, I'm not sure if the, the point will be added. Um, by the quiz, you are probably the most lenient quizmaster that I've ever encountered, and I'm very grateful for that. Trust me. It's 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 not really a com- competitive thing. There's only you doing it, so you, I mean you can't you, you can't lose. It's very competitive. I um, don't want to lose. Number six, London born, moved to Scotland when he was three. Uh, signed from Tynecastle Boys, um, made competitive debut in 2002. Uh, sorry. 2012, I should say, can't see my a one in my own typing, um, against St Johnston, age 17. See, I, I struggled with this one, and I'm. It's got to be this 2012 13 season, 
because I can't recall any 17-year-olds playing against St. Johnston in 2011-2012. So that would then give us, I think we only played St. Johnston once in 2012-13 before Christmas. So I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I can't find a seventeen-year-old. His, his, his mother, where his mother, his mother, his mother is from Zimbabwe. His mm. his um, cousin played. Oh, does he still play? His cousin was playing in League One at least last season. I don't actually know. What it his... wasn't Callum Patterson, was it? Yes, Mister. Callum... Was it? Yes, Callum that Patterson. A lucky guess. That... London-born. Yeah, I think his um. There's, uh, is it grandparents from South Africa as well? I don't have that noted down, but there's there's a link with South Africa as well. Um, but anyway, yeah, Callum Patterson, of course, came. So what? When? When did you say which um, which game against St Johnston was it then? Probably would be the opening league game of the season because we beat St Johnston two 0 did we not? Opening day, two 0 at home. That's why I didn't get it because I, I I didn't go. I thought the game before Christmas was the only one. Ah, it was that. We did play them first game of the season. I missed that one. That's why I'm struggling. Callum Patterson, 17. Wow. There Good question. Go. There you go. So there's the... Yeah, I, I kind of wilted towards the end. That was like that was like a horse at Cheltenham flying round, but then realising that they've maybe not got enough gas left in the tank and then struggling over the finish line. I got there, but that was Just about the it. Just yeah. the Good one this week. So on Saturday, Hearts back in action again and they travel to Gayfield to play Arbroath, who, at the time of recording anyway, I, I, I try to remember if they've got any way of changing that league position. There's so many midweek games going on just now. I don't think they can change that position. Um, second bottom of the table going into this next game. Yeah, the point um, behind Morton. And the game's earlier, Air 1 at Dundee and Cali 1 at Wraith Rovers, or Cali Thistle, sorry. Indeed. Why not Wraith Rovers? Indeed. So, so I, it was a very, again, I've used that word already, turgid affair when Hearts last went to Gayfield. So, be another team that will look to frustrate Hearts. You know, Dick Campbell knows how to organise a team very well. Um, he's He's been around the block plenty of times. So, I suppose it'll be a similar challenge that Hearts have faced most weeks, Mark. And would you change anything? Would you bring Walker yes. into that starting eleven? Yes, which brings me to the the comment that I've been alluding to since the start of of this episode. Uh, Jamie gave a, an interesting interview to Barry Anderson in the evening news, and there was absolutely no mention whatsoever of something Robbie Nielsen brought up and the reason why Jamie, who I think Robbie said he was going to be involved on Sunday in the win at Partick, I, I assume he was. Yes, yeah. He said he, that he's trying to get his his fitness up. I wonder if Jamie would question that. And if so, that is an interesting dynamic because then you have a coach that doesn't think that one of his players is as fit as he could be or you have a player who has just had the gauntlet thrown down to him. Hey, you might have all the talent in the world, but if you want to if you want to start games, I want to see your, your fitness levels up. So I don't, remember there being a, a kind of an injury um, for that. I'm not trying to, to, to throw a grenade in here and run away. I'm just, 
I just think it's interesting that Robbie came out and said that he hopes that the fitness levels can can improve, but Jamie never mentioned that. So if I'm reading that and I'm the player, then take that on board. If different managers have different ways of of giving their their players or their staff a kick up the arse. Um, I don't know. This might this might be Robbie's or. I might be doing them both a disservice because Jamie might have had a knock or a niggle, which he struggled from that I can't remember, um, but he may have had. Can you remember something, a, a, an injury problem that Jamie's had over the last month or, or, or two? Um, he was out uh, last month or two. Um, you, uh, I'd have to go and double check. There was definitely something that, kept him out but I, I, I would need to double check I mean I don't know if it's a recurring thing I, I mean he, he had a knock in back in November I remember that and he missed a couple of games then but since then um, I, I don't think there's been anything that's kind of been severe enough where he's he's, he's been it's been a setback or whatever I just thought the comments were really interesting from both um, Jamie said all the right things I'll, I'll, I'll work hard when I get my opportunity I'm going to try and take it so, yeah, I mean, whatever the, the, the deal is, if it's a, a necessary kick up the backside or if it's just a recovery from injury or, or whatever it is, I think we've seen enough now for Jamie to start because I, I was unaware of it. It wasn't until I saw the comments from Robbie and I thought, yeah, we missed the first that's 10, interesting. But Jamie's yeah. comments didn't allude to the fact that uh, he, he'd been struggling with a knock or with an injury. So I haven't been able to find anything online and you, you've been commentating all the, on all the games and Recently, he's done his best work when he's when he's come off the off the bench. We've seen him play well from the start in games. Uh, there was the game that it was Aloha at home where we started really well. I think Jamie played that day. So I'd start him, and it goes yeah, it flies in the, the face of what I said last week. Minutes. Going back to saying that I'd listened to the yeah, comments about the keeping energy. the same team, uh, and we just we play Gary McKay Stephen regardless because we need him to get reps. I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite here. I'm not sure we do in that position. I think if we're going to diamond with two up front, I think Walker's an obvious. I think I think the team pretty much picks itself, but with Walker instead of Gary McKay-Steven. If we're changing from that, if we're going back to the 4-2-3-1, then I'm playing Gary McKay-Steven all day, every day at left midfield. Um, but as a 10 and a diamond, the most advanced player in the midfield, I'm starting him there. Would you keep everything else the same then? If, yeah. he, if he goes with the same system, the, the kind of diamond yep. and put walking on the tip of it, yeah? Yeah. I'd go with that. I'd go with that. Hopefully some, hopefully a bit more tempo from the start, as you say, but the main thing is getting that result and, and getting over the line and getting three more big points and another win closer to getting back to the Premiership. I, I was just thinking of, of songs to play at the end. In our, I like how in... Um, in Armong Nongdui's video, the, he's just shouting and singing along to Pink, So What? And uh, <laughs> I saw some people try to convince Scott Wilson to start playing it after he scores, and Scott was saying, what's the relevance? Please explain. <laughs> I think someone just said, look, he plays it in his car and sings along. But, um, a, cu- a couple of things about music then. One, um, being able to take the piss to someone else is only acceptable, I think, if you can take the piss out yourself. So the bare necessities would be a nice finish given my inability to say 
a similar word earlier. And two, what was that song at the end of last week? It was very melodic. Oh, Christ, what was last week? Happy or something. I can't remember what it was. I just hadn't heard it before, and I thought, that's an interesting choice. But I was trying to think the relevance of why um, it was played. Was the title of our podcast not Happy or something last week? What did uh, you do? I put it, the title was Laughing. Oh, Christ, I can't remember what I put at the end. It's, it's usually got some relevance. Uh, laughing. Yeah. Hold on. Let, let me... Um, I can actually just go to it right here, right now. What did I play at the end? Um, ba, 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 ba. There we go. Oh, laughing right. on the outside. Okay, yeah. What was it then? Laughing on the outside is the song. Why was the title laughing? Because we talked about Robbie Nielsen when he was had that great shot of him laughing. Oh, as, see, you're getting too clever for me now. And the, the the lyrics are, I'm laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. And I thought that worked quite well. V- very clever. It's really sad you actually have to explain that when your, your ability to select a song like that <laughs> should have gone totally unquestioned and people should just have a little head nod at the brilliance. A head nod, or, like like Armong Nongdui nods along in the car to Pink. I'm just going to have to play that now, which is not as clever as last week, but at least it's got some relevance. As long as it's got some small relevance, that's all that I need. Mm-hmm. 125 episodes in, I can't always, I can't, I can't always be perfect. Anyway, thanks for so tuning in. Hot. Whether you've whether you've um, tuned in before or, or whether you were returning, whether you were coming back or whether you've come for the first time, whether you've already left, it doesn't matter. We'll be back again next week to discuss uh, whatever else comes to mind. Hopefully, a win against our growth and yeah, something else is relevant. Until then, thanks for tuning in, um, and hopefully, we've managed to necessitate an entertaining show for you to listen to. So, so what? I'm still a rock star. I've got my rock moves. And I don't need you. And guess what? I'm having more fun. And now that we're done, I'm going to show you tonight. Farewell. <laughs> Goodbye. So, so Oh, uh.